Like Uncool podcast, a way too deep dive into the shallowest people on the planet. I'm Elizabeth, and I'm joined by my lovely friend and co-host, Mr. Alex Morand. My tagline this week is a housewife that's also a really awful uh, classist. <laughs> Always a bridesmaid, never a maid. <laughs> You're right, Alex. Money don't buy you class. We're also joined by my lovely sister, Miss Julia Baker. I have to be sneaky when I dish out my tea because it's all confidential. Was that for Gina? That's for Dr. Jen. Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We don't know her first season tagline yet because we got a Heather entrance (laughs) instead of taglines. And I have to say the taglines were missed. I'm trying to think of another thing she could do that would be like covering up like something ugly. If my husband moved the dog in front of his face, his ugly face oh would be hidden. Ryan is his name, right? I thought it was Ryan. The biggest That was the biggest shock to yeah. me that whole episode was the spelling of his name when that was revealed. <laughs> Ryan. Well, Julia, uh, I was also inspired by OC for my tagline. Much like OC, I don't have a tagline. Because I forgot to write one until just now. Okay, let's finish up Potomac and then um, we can get into OC. Yeah. All right, our last episode of our reunion. This one was the Nicki Minaj takeover. Right off the bat, did not need it. I didn't like having a celebrity host. It really threw off the dynamic. Did you change your mind watching this whole episode? No. I loved it. I think we need a celebrity host for every reunion. I felt like the girls were more honest and they couldn't get away with things. But She also... was able to say things that Andy would never say. Like insinuate that Robin and Giselle are having sex. Yes. Which I do not get that vibe. <laughs> I have spent the night in so many of my friends' beds and it's not like a thing. Listen, I, I don't get that vibe either, but I love that she had a question like that because then it devolved into all of them saying they would have sex with each other and just having fun with that idea for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. She like created an environment where they were like having fun with each other and like having each other's backs in a way where like with Andy, they're all so ready to like attack one another. With Nikki, mm-hmm. they're all kind of like a united front, which I liked seeing, I guess. It really did break up the vibe and I'm happy that they continued when Nikki would call them on stuff, they would kind of stand up for themselves and for each other, which I was impressed because mm-hmm. I think if Nikki Minaj was telling me I'm a bad person, I don't think I'd say anything. I'd probably be like, okay. Candace went out to bat for every <laughs> single person mm-hmm. who was getting shaded by mm-hmm. Nikki. And then the girls kind of threw her under the bus. Well, that was a good move on her part because then they were all very uh, pleased with her singing when she eventually did it. I was so proud of her for doing it. She was put on the spot, and I think her moment of hesitation made it even that much more impressive when she actually pulled off amazing vocals for Drive Back, which is kind of a hard thing to sing a cappella. It's not an acapella song. And a hard thing to do to in front of uh, one of the best-selling artists of our generation who's just been grilling you about like how much, how, like your numbers, how much you've been selling, all that, to then put, be put on the spot in that way. Her numbers Oof. were quite impressive. Countess Luann couldn't even come close. <laughs> you could tell that Nicki Minaj was like, oh, I don't think so. No, she had I, that infographic yeah. to prove yeah, it. And her numbers were kind of too exact to make up, I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be honest about the singing, I felt like if it had just stayed on Candace singing and it wasn't cutting like back to anyone else, I would not have guessed that was going to be the reaction. Or like I wouldn't have guessed like it would have gone terribly or would have gone well. I guess like because the singing was just so 
neutral to me. It was I don't know how either of you felt about her singing. Like it's good, but everyone was like, "Yeah, amazing!" And even like Nikki herself loved it so much. So I, I was just surprised it had such a warm reception. I guess I think they were all expecting it to be really, really bad. So she hit all her notes. Yeah. Yeah. She landed her ending. I know. I know. Happy for her. I'm a fandis. <laughs> in the worlds of Potomac, uh, Wendy's soundbite from a talk show has gone viral on TikTok. So I'm sure she's absolutely loving that. And I'm hoping that that makes up for how bad she came off in this last reunion. Nicki Minaj looks at you in the face and says, you seem so insecure. Oof. Oof. Oh my gosh. That I actually mm-hmm. had to hide. Karen was ducking behind her yeah. pink scarf. I was right there next to Karen when Nikki asked Wendy about Eddie's booty models and asked her if that's why she had all that work done. Her and clapping, her The <laughs> clapping oh, and gosh. the cackling and the hysterical breakdown that we all witnessed. I am so worried for Dr. Wendy. She's trying to be so unbothered. So when And she, we now know for a fact she is very bothered that Eddie is up to something. Also, Nikki Minaj said to you, not only that are you insecure, you seem like the kind of woman who's so controlling you wouldn't let him follow those girls on Instagram. It was like, blow, blow, blow. Um, She told Giselle that her looks were fading in a form of a question. (laughs) Yeah, and it's so funny because a lot of this season was Wendy mad at Giselle, Robin, and Ashley for saying... Not even saying, like, kind of insinuating that she got her booty done because of the Eddie cheating rumors. Mm -hmm. Then Nicki Minaj gets mad at them for insinuating that, turns to Wendy and says, but you did. And Wendy just kind of takes it. She took it because she couldn't say anything amongst the uncontrollable giggling that she was doing. I have one more Wendy thing and then I'll, I'll, uh, we can move on. But Nicki Minaj brings up, he's been following all these booty models it came out and then his following dropped and they had the screenshots of his following count. And Wendy's like, Oh, I didn't even pay attention to that. It's just the blogs. It doesn't matter. It was not just the blogs. It was the Reddit Bravo sub, which they did not take kindly for, which uh, triggered that thread being reposted like eight times. People being like, it wasn't the blogs, Wendy. And here's all of our evidence. Oh my gosh. The Bravo Reds will not rest until they're an active character in these shows. Yes. Okay, can we cover why Chris was so mad at the end of this final? Why is it because he didn't like Nikki questioning the relationship with his mother-in-law? Or why he didn't like everyone talking about his income stream? Or what's the issue? I don't think that he enjoys... His role in the show being that of like, I'm a source of drama for Candace. Okay. And like, there are, yeah, yeah, the specifics with the mother in law and him being like the husband and everything. Um, all of that is just like under that umbrella. Like, he is a source of pain in the Candace mm-hmm. plot line. Yeah, I think it just makes him feel really, really bad. And he even had an attitude with Andy, which is always like, ugh, to see yes. when that happens. Poor Chris. It was a long day, though. Kind of have to take that into account. Oh, been God. There for, like, I can't imagine. Hours. And they've all been drinking all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, One other reason I love Nikki's takeover is the fact that she asked Robin if she thought Michael was attracted to Juan. She did go there. I have to say she did. And know what? What I didn't like about it is also what I did like about it, that it was able to break out of the routine. I just felt like the girls couldn't say what they actually wanted to say because they were too nervous. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't really know if I want to mm-hmm. hear what they had to say. So I might retract my previous statement. I thought Nikki couldn't have done better. She herself was offended that so much got cut. Mm-hmm. I know. I saw and, that tweet. And I have to say, I think it must be a Giselle interrogation. Because they all were making fun of how much time she spent on Giselle. And I thought as a viewer, they all came off pretty evenly handled. If anything, she was the meanest to Ashley as what mm-hmm. we saw. Yes, I think the time we spent with Wendy was far less than the others. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Wendy's were as, uh, but, maybe it was less time, like actual seconds, but I think the brutal nature of it was a lot more intense. Yeah, it was just it was, condensed. They were able to distill, yeah, what happened between them. But um, one Nikki thing I loved, um, after a season of really loving Robin, was Nikki saying that she's always loved Robin in her vibe. Mm-hmm. I thought it was yes. nice. It was also just like nice seeing her be nice to them <laughs> at points. She was by far the nicest really to Robin. In. She didn't go after Robin at all. She offered her tons of money to sleep with Giselle. <laughs> and said that she <laughs> thought that Robin and Juan had great sexual chemistry this season, which I sorely disagree with. Same. Do not see that. I disagree, but also. Apparently she was right. Yes, because Robin's like, yeah, we were like trying new things. <laughs> Something Andy would probably never say. No, and I love how much time <laughs> we spent on Mia's definition of a strip club. It's the menu that distinguishes mm-hmm. what kind of establishment yeah. you're at. I feel like Mia and Robin came across as the people that like really vibed with Nicki Minaj the most. They're the funnest. They were, yeah. They mm-hmm. were the less guarded. And I get why Ashley was guarded, like immediately attacked viciously by mm-hmm. her. And then again with like the Michael comments. Oh, yeah. She and the other gay well. men. And Ashley's like, hey, now, hang out with that word other. And she could not have handled the would you still have gotten with Michael Darby if you had $100 million question better than she did. No, she said no. She did no. in a way that got Nikki off her back. I know, but it's like the way to like stop. <laughs> yeah. If I had that much money, I it wouldn't have met him. It was the perfect answer to that question. Yes. <laughs> now we all had fun and I'm sure the ladies had fun, but did you know who had the most fun with the Nicki Minaj takeover? Andy, who drank a shit ton of tequila. Oh no, Julia. Oh. Karen Huger, <laughs> who got her LaDom name legitimized because Nicki Minaj kept calling her LaDom. Mm-hmm. I can't believe Wendy read the cue cards. Oh my gosh, yeah. She should have been fired on the spot for cheating on that the test. That was mm-hmm. bold. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's studying, Julia. That's what she does. She's She was a very likable season one, but you kind of thought she was like the cute little nerdy girl who's trying to make it with the big leaks. But now it's just taken on this very awkward, it's the season two curse and she's really doubling down into it. She did not come off cute. It was uh, uh, just sad because she's very beautiful. I don't mean cute like that. I mean, mm-hmm. she's just too cringe. The cringe factor is too big. She did not deliver me anything that was genuine this season there was no slither this season no genuine <gasps> julia zen win no no genuine <laughs> all right are we ready for do you guys want to do vanderpump next we'll end with a nice orange county sure we are recording this on sunday and today the news hit instagram that james and raquel have broken up they've ended their engagement are we surprised at all 
if she's watching the same show that we're watching, I'm so proud of her for seeing what we're seeing. And that is the giant red flag that is him leaving her if her nose gets worse. Yeah. And uh, check the record books on our podcast, but I did say during the engagement that that was going to be the peak of their relationship as far as we were going to see it. Yes, and I would like to say that I was yes. getting like he's cheating on her, there's something's up vibes. I think I don't, I have zero evidence for this, but the vibe I also get is she's been with him at his very worst when he was in like the, you know, the pit of his addiction. And, oh, he's going to be sober. It's going to be so much better. Turns out he's just sober James and none of their problems are really fixed. So I think if you're really, really counting on that finish line to actually mean something, you get there and nothing's Mm -hmm. really changed, it's going to be a pretty big bummer. Moving on from the breakup, um, the trainer commenting on Lala's body in front of Sheena was so freaking horrible. It, like, traumatized Uh, me for the rest of the episode. um, This is, Mm. like, the 10th you just had a baby Lala comment that's been made. Sheena herself has made several. But, yeah. yeah. Especially because we know that Sheena doesn't Sheena looks so good, though. She She does. does. And she's so cute and, like, she's you know, doing her own thing. You don't need to be back in crop top shape. You don't ever have to go back to that. Mm-hmm. You're cute and you're beautiful as you are. I wish that she could see more of that because maybe then she wouldn't be with someone like Brock. No, but Brock, for all of his flaws, including thinking post-apocalyptic is called post-apocalypto, um, he also... That's just how he refers to anything post that movie being released. <laughs> that movie was, like, big for him. He really is supportive and tells her how beautiful she is. Mm-hmm. But I do like his Sheena body positivity. I mean, he wore her face on his genitals. So what higher praise could one give? Okay, was I the only person when he walks into the bathroom to show her the underwear, but we're watching him take off his pants? I was like, are we going to watch him poop? We've seen poop on Bravo before. Yes, Ramona. They have a lot in common. <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost pooping, um, speaking. The shoe a beer was the oh, grossest thing. Oh, and then the... he puts his shoe back on and like That freaked me out too. And when you look at him, you don't think that man never sweats. So you know this shoe is just this sweaty, stinky, disgusting, now soggy, socked, beer-smelling shoe. I'm still with that shoe. Now, I thought, of course, that it just meant that he was going to take the top off the beer with his shoe, right? I think that's what everyone thought was going to happen. So for him to then pour it into his shoe and drink out of it? And he would have to go fast because the beer would inevitably start leaking out of at least the top of the shoe where the laces go. It just felt like a lot of extra steps, if you will. (laughs) There, I got my pun in from like four episodes ago. (laughs) Do we think that shoeing a beer is an actual thing? No. Okay. But the pickle shots from Dallas turned out to be, so who do we, what do we know? I think Brock was like caught somewhere drinking beer out of his shoe. And then was like, oh, it's a party trick from Australia. (laughs) We all do it down there. And that's why he was uh, not allowed back to Australia for all the bad PR he does for them. (laughs) No other shady reasons. Speaking of alcohol, I was very moved by James speaking to his dad's sober friend. Mm -hmm. 
And then I was very unmoved when James was telling Lisa and Ken that he's going to try two weeks of complete sobriety and Ken's responses altering to that. Yikes. Ken. Read a, read a room, <laughs> Ken. Oh, no, that was more of Australian. Now I'm stuck in my Michael Darby accent. <laughs> but then Lisa, like a good partner, says, well, you can do that. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Okay, Sandoval was his usual awful self this episode, but do you know who really came out on top? And by top, I mean bottom, was Schwartz. There has been little cookie crumbs throughout this season, and I feel like we're really just glossing over what is a incredibly sad drama that oh, is Schwartz and Katie's relationship. Whole ass cookies to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. at this point, it's one of those giant ones, limerine calendars that you get writing on from the mall. Mm-hmm. It is a big cookie. And it's it's just getting worse and worse. We have the Katie and Tom not being able to get pregnant because he won't stop doing shrooms. He has a drinking problem. They've made a couple jokes that he has a gambling problem. Mm-hmm. That's just getting yada yada over. It's not a problem if you keep winning. Yeah, yikes. Um, it's bad when James Kennedy is observing the way a couple interacts and, and saying that you need to wrong. step it up. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to do a little reenactment of the most painful thing I've ever heard on reality TV. This is a conversation between Tom and Katie as they were reflecting how Tom did not stand up for his wife at all the night before. I don't need you to go to bat for me anymore. I love you. I love that you have my back. Well, you don't have my back. You're in a different kind of relationship, a different kind of contract. What do you mean compared to we're married? So it's just a piece of paper, a piece of paper. Can we all remember that he failed to file not once, but twice? She is trying to say, "You, yeah, this is your friend and business partner, but we're fucking married. And he goes, so we're just married. What? <sighs> I can't imagine them getting divorced. But when you hear stuff like that, like, how could they not? Well, they're not even married. So that's why mm-hmm. you can't imagine. Wait, that. he never filed it? They had to do a redo wedding in Vegas, and then how it was left to the viewers is that he lost the backpack that the new marriage mm-hmm. license is in. So, for what we know, oh there's gosh. actual no paperwork on this. Narratively in the show, that's where they left us. Mm-hmm. We've had no update. I will say, I got Katie's back with a lot of this stuff, but I gotta be honest. Ripping on Schwartz and Sandys and then coming up with a Once Upon a Tom. <laughs> I don't know. I hate to say it. I feel like Schwartz and Sandys is a little bit better. Once Upon a Tom is I agree. so bad. It sounds like something the Toms would come up with. <laughs> also, I get what Sandoval is trying to do, but all of his drinks are so gimmicky Sometimes you want to go out and just get a drink. You don't want an activity, especially if that activity is going to take 45 minutes to set up. Can you imagine what going to this place would be like? Their Yelp reviews are going to be in the toilet. Um, One of the drinks, though, did feel very once upon a time. It was the one that looked like Bells and the Beast Rose. It mm-hmm. had the glass dome over it, and he revealed it, and the smoke came out. But do, I think Once Upon a Tom mm-hmm. might be a more fitting name than Schwartz and Sandy's. But do you remember when he made that for their other cocktail, and he couldn't party, and he couldn't get the smoke to come out? That's because you didn't have the dome. You need oh, the you dome. Oh, you need the dome. Got it. Yikes. Um, they, 
side by side of Lala, who was not there making fun of what Sandoval was going to be saying, was spot on accurate and truly great editing mm-hmm. for me, the viewer. Now, are you guys enjoying this season of Vanderpump? Oh, yes. I am too. Um, I, I'm not a Vanderpump fan in general, but the internet is feeling like it's time and the sun has come and gone. Oh. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I am. I love the show. I am enjoying it still, but it is sorely lacking Stassi, Kristen, and most of all tracks. They were huge personalities. Mm-hmm. They say that it has lost its feel. Yeah. They, Drax and Stassi like, were the show. Mm-hmm. And now with Sandoval kind of in charge, it does feel a little off. But I still love, like, this cast. I love seeing everyone. It's just they're missing the most deserving of cancellation man of all time, Jax. Which there are people on Bravo that have been canceled for much less. I think Jax could have stayed on is always my hot take, my hard stance. Um, I don't know. Do you miss Jax, Julia? Oh, I do miss Jax. But I always felt like Vanderpump was because... It's a show about working at Sir. I think that you always need a next generation and all their attempts at a next generation have failed. And now we have a single Charlie trying to do it. And she just can't compete with these castmates at all. Mm -hmm. The fact that you forgot that Raquel also works there too is not a great sign. Yeah, but I feel like... Her breaking up with James is going to she take lost her out of thing. the run. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree. I want to put this idea in your head, though, of what we're missing. This is what we're missing. Jax is a dad. Just imagine how funny that would be. That's what we're missing oh, this season. That's yes. what's happening in real life. The forever work in progress Jax, a father. And we just don't have cameras in that room. Tragedy. It's so sad that his kids won't be able to look upon Vanderpump and say, Wow. This is who my parents is. <laughs> I don't know. Did you guys see that post? That he posted a picture of him and Brittany. And he's like, I can't wait for my kids to look at this and say, this is who my parents is. <laughs> it was, and then people just roasting him and him blocking anybody who commented on it. Being like, what are, you, what are you saying? Okay. Are we ready for episode one of OC? Yes. All right. Episode one of Orange County. Now, last season, we watched probably two episodes of Orange County. And we made it to the Lemonade Boy episode. Yeah, I'd say five. We watched like yeah. five you episodes You think we watched of that five? Show. Totally. Okay, and then we all collectively mm-hmm. said, we can't do this anymore. And, we and it was OC. more the climate <laughs> of the pandy and how OC just didn't acknowledge its existence. It still isn't. A proper Orange County fashion. No one's wearing masks. Which yeah, is but- like, if you go to Orange mm-hmm. County today, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. But I am having a lot of fun. This was like peak what you think of housewife. There's drama. People are getting day drunk. There's white pants. There's bad nose jobs. It was everything I There's dining and dashing. (laughs) There's a private chef who's there to make pizza and salad. There's the word (laughs) champs instead of champagne. Probably every other word. There's someone who used to date Kid Rock. Yes, and that someone is suing another castmate husband unbeknownst to them. And their husband is a celebrity in his own right. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we're all from Southern California. How many of the Sweet James billboards have you guys seen? Oh, oh I see that man all the I, time. I freaked out. I, I freaked laughed out, out loud. I could not believe her husband was Sweet James. It's the weirdest billboard. He looks so smug. 
Sweet James has a sex dungeon. That's crazy. We saw it. We got eyes on that. (laughs) He is an injury lawyer, Alex. I was going to say he's got himself covered. Who would he be defending himself from in that scenario? (laughs) He has that sex dungeon, which was like the creepiest little undusted room I'd ever seen. And then just to know that his mother-in-law is a mere room away. (laughs) Well, you can't call it nasty James. It's got to be sweet James. (laughs) So not counting that lawyer, our different lawyer story, Shannon knows that Nicole had sued Heather's husband. Terry. Terry. At some point. 20 years ago. Why is... I don't get why this is a big hush-hush secret. I think it's because Shannon doesn't want it to be brought up on the show. So I think she's trying to protect Heather because Heather is clearly the cool girl. And I think Shannon wants to be a part of this club and not the Gina Emily club. Which we all want to be a part of, right? Shannon clearly loves her and does not want to disrupt that at all. Which, well, you fucked up, Shannon. You told people. (laughs) But she had poquito too much tequila and then accidentally tells Gina and Emily before about she this suit. skips out on the check and oh. makes said person pick up <laughs> check. That was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty brutal. Can you imagine that you're out with your friend, she is telling you major shit about somebody, that person shows up, your drunk friend gets up and leaves, leaves the person she was talking shit about with her check? But like Heather That's was brutal. Heather was just in the restaurant. Like it's just lucky that she was there. She wasn't even at their table. She was at an office party. And yet she got wind mm-hmm. that her friends had dined and dashed and was like, oh, I'll cover it. They'll pay me back. Oh my God. And the funniest thing is when the new Trace Amigas were leaving their lunch at a different place and went to Javier's, you could hear them going like, ah, I don't want to go home. Yeah. So though the cameras did not follow them to the dining and dashing incident, we did get wind that this party was definitely going to keep going. A nice going. foreshadowing, mm-hmm. if you will. I can't so, believe all that happened off camera, by the way. I... When you get these crazy coincidences that Nicole is a friend of the season and she formally sued Mm -hmm. Terry, you wonder, like, how Mm -hmm. did the producers know this? How did this get going? Because I don't think Shannon tipped them off. And I have a theory is this is how Dr. Jen got her hungry little self on this show. She's a fellow plastic surgeon. I'm sure she knows Nicole in a professional capacity. I'm sure she knows the story from Nicole. And we all saw in the last season at Bronwyn's Val Renewal, she was photobombing every single shot she could. But how did Dr. Jen get on the show? It wasn't just like Gina and Emily were like, hey, we are doctors, like, really, she would be great on the show. And then after that, Dr. Jen was like, now I need to find something to make my appearance explosive. I don't know. Like, how do you think that went? I think Dr. Jen met Bravo at Val Renewal. Well, that, that's when she offered Gina free mm-hmm. services. And then maybe pitched. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Wow. A genius move. Yep, she wants herself and her shirtless dog-holding husband to be on camera. And if you didn't think that was true, you could have seen what she wore to work that day. Oh my god! She was trying to play it off. Nobody wears a white 
mini skirt dress combo with strappy six inch heels. It was a wild choice. It wasn't subtle. She could have done like a little blazer thing. We could have been like, okay, yeah, it's like, you know, Southern California people dress like that. She was in a clubbing outfit at work. And it didn't make me take her seriously as a doctor. Like, she needs to take a note from Tiffany's book, who Mm -hmm. dresses in her scrubs when she's a doctor and dresses in her stilettos when she's ready to play. I was shocked when they flashed to those shoes. I wouldn't trust her. Oh, in true OC fashion, we also got an egregious house tour for about, like, five minutes. And Heather's California King... Looks tiny in her huge room. I thought it that looks, was a very funny It looks like a little Barbie bed. When a very, very rich person spends an egregious amount of money on a 22,000 square foot home, you really hope that they're going to come up with something like the Hearst Castle, something we can admire for generations to come. This is not that. And that is all I have to say. <laughs> all of the housewives' yep. houses are very like they designed it themselves when they clearly should have hired Mm -hmm. a team i also was shocked that two never to be born embryos are represented on that heinous etched glass yeah that was probably Mm -hmm. the most disturbing thing i've ever seen also the tacky it's sad too because i was watching this uh there's a, a reporter named Hugh Hauser that does all these like great California segments. May he rest in peace. Yes, he passed away. I was watching like old videos of his. It was like a quarantine comfort of mine. And he had one whole thing about Crystal Cove and like the beautiful community that was there like 10 years ago that like got demolished in favor of houses like this one. She made this house on Crystal Cove. It was just very sad to watch for that in mind. And for yes. it to be so uh, empty and disgusting inside. At least to make it like you're saying, like a Hearst Castle. Yeah. The saddest thing was when we went into the laundry room and then that one beautiful laundress was just ironing a shirt. The only person in the home at the time. (laughs) And then to see Shannon crying about the life that once was and Gina's eyes popping out of the sockets. It was just so tone deaf and so hard to watch. Well, thank God there's not any, like, super traumatic history that took place at Crystal Cove having to do with, you know, (laughs) people being moved there who didn't want to Mm -hmm. and absolutely horrible living (laughs) conditions. Thank God that doesn't have any painful history behind it. True. It's true. It's true. (laughs) I kind of made it just that much worse that this was, like, a refugee area. Um, Mm -hmm. Speaking Mm -hmm. real quick, though, about... People who help the home, my favorite was Nicole, who is the nanny for Dr. Jen and who is as camera hungry as Jen is. So much so that she awkwardly follows Jen into her master bedroom and stands there in the corner while Jen's talking to her husband. I could not stop laughing. Anyway. I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for this season. It has a way better vibe. It has like a silly, goofy housewife vibe where I feel like the last season we tried to watch was pretty painful. It was just too serious. All right. um, Awards. All right. Awards. I'm going to start us off with my poorly named Once Upon a Tom award. Sure, Shorts and Sandys isn't the best name, but man, Once Upon a Tom is pretty bad. 
I give this award to The Housewife and the Shaw Shocker, the documentary about Jennifer Shaw that was terribly named compared to The Hustler and the Housewife, Erica Jane's documentary, which was beautifully named. And I should have taken that naming as like a foreshadowing for what the documentary was going to be. Um, the first half hour of the documentary of Jen Shaw, I was just basically a recap of what we've seen. It was a clip show. Right. But and then, then it ended and that was it. No, the second half had actual FBI agents telling us how guilty Jen Shaw was. I felt like it gave me nothing. Nothing I didn't already oh, know. Alex, do you agree? I disagree. I liked all the stuff about them in New York and like previous scam cases and like the context of that informing how they tracked down Jen Shaw. That was like 10 minutes though. I wanted more of that. That kind of was like, okay. And then it was over. I felt like I really understood what she's been guilty of. And I also understand her defense now. Like They basically had like a defense attorney there telling us what the like strategy would be. And then because Stu, as we know, plead guilty, I wonder if she's going to use Stu as her scapegoat Mm. saying he actually knew the goings on. I was just the woman who procured the leads. I imagine Stu pled guilty because he took a deal, which means he's going to throw her under the bus. I don't think he would just plead guilty. Right. But she's also saying that because this documentary is out and filling so many living rooms, it's going to make hard to have a fair trial. Oh, yeah. I know she's trying to file for a mistrial. And I know innocent until proven guilty, but I find her incredibly guilty now that I really have a handle on what she's accused of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always funny when they cut back to like a Bravo expert being like, and I was shook, which I felt like was also half of this documentary. I was shaw <laughs> And speaking of my Dana Wilkie, former friend of on a Bravo show, popping up in a Hulu documentary about a current Bravo cast member award goes to <laughs> Dana Wilkie, who pops up again <laughs> in this Hulu documentary about a current cast member caught up in a crime thing. So congratulations, Dana Wilkie, former friend of of Beverly Hills. Who made it half a season as a friend of. Alex, I also have to say that she did not only pop up, I feel like she was the star of the Shaw Shocker. Yes. Yeah, she her, she passed her audition with Hustler and the Housewife and now had a, a bigger role in this. Mm-hmm. Got a- does she like have a podcast or something? Like- she does have a podcast. She's also had her own run-in with the law. So who better to give her opinion <laughs> Wait, really? than Dana? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> because I, her big thing on Beverly Hills was how much money she spent on things. She had the $20,000 sunglasses. <laughs> she was a one of each Oh, that shot. meme. Okay. Yes. Okay. That is who she is. Okay. <laughs> My award is the Blinded by the Light Award. And this award I give to Heather of Orange County. And the light that I am blinded by is, in fact, the highlighter on her cheekbones, which just glistens so much. I am so distracted by him. And I actually had to rewind twice to hear what she was actually saying. So, congratulations, it was loud Heather. You're saying. And your cheekbones. Yeah, they look like little pieces of scotch tape. Yeah, Just, did you also notice? Yeah, I, I was like, what the heck is a little, going on A little there? too heavy with that hand. 
Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. When we will be back next week, we will have a new episode of Salt Lake City. We got the mid-season preview this last week, and it is looking great. Um, Meredith is absolutely unhinged. She is off the quaaludes and just going for it. I'm ready to engage. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you, Elizabeth. Anytime. You can catch new episodes of the Don't Be All Like Uncool podcast every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. You can also follow us on Instagram at Like Uncool Podcast. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and mention it all. Thank you.